Welcome to Econ on the Go. In this final episode, we're going to talk about our second type of asymmetric information situation, principal agent problems. principal agent relationship is one where the principal hires the agent to take some action on behalf of the principal. So we normally think about things where we have individuals who have agents as an example, a athlete or a uh, actor who has an agent who goes and negotiates contracts on their behalf, who sets up relationships with marketers on their behalf. The principal, the athlete, or the actor could do those things by themselves, but they hire the agent to do things for them. We also see principal-agent relationships happening in lots of organizations. The principal is the manager who hires the employee or the agent to do things for the manager. And a classic example of this is the shareholders or the board, being the principal, hiring the CEO as the agent to run the company for them. Now, the problem with the principal-agent relationship is that the agent's incentives and the principal's incentives may not be aligned. The principal wants the agent to do certain things, but to do those things, the agent has to exert a lot of effort, and the agent may not want to exert as much effort as the principal wants them to exert. And so there's these incentive differences between the two sides, and to solve it, we need to get the incentives of the agent to be aligned with the incentive of the principal. Corporations have tried to solve this problem by offering stock grants or options to the CEO. The shareholders and the board, by extension, want the CEO to maximize the total returns to the shareholders, but that's going to need the CEO to exert a lot of effort. And so the CEO may not want to work as hard as the board wants them to work in order to maximize the total returns to shareholders. But if the CEO owns stock in the firm, now their incentive is to maximize the value of those shares, and therefore they will work as hard as they can in order to maximize the value of each share. Performance-based contracts are another way to try to solve this principal-agent problem. And they are a balance of fixed payments and incentive payments. The fixed-only type of performance-based contract, where no payment is tied to performance, is a flat salary. In this case, the risk is borne entirely by the principal, and the agent will accept lower pay because there is no risk to how much money they earn. The incentive-only performance-based contract means there's no fixed payment, an eat-what-you-kill type of arrangement, where the risk is borne entirely by the agent and the principal has no risk, because the principal doesn't pay unless the agent actually produces. The agent will therefore demand a higher expected pay because they get no certainty of payment. Performance-based contracts generally are not just fixed or incentive only. There's some mix of the two where you get some fixed amount and then you get incentives on top of that. So think about a waiter or a waitress working in a restaurant. Their fixed payment is the wage they get and the incentive are the tips that they get for how well they do at their job. Incentive plans attract certain type of workers, though. So as you have a fixed-only type of plan, you incentivize risk-averse type of workers. And if you have an incentive-only type of plan, you incentivize risk-seeking type of workers. And so this can create an adverse selection model for the firm. If the firm wants to have low-risk type of workers, but they set up an incentive-only or an incentive-heavy type of performance contract, that risk-averse firm will hire risk-loving workers. The incentive plans also provide an inducement for risky behavior so that creates a moral hazard problem. After the fact, now that you have an incentive only or an incentive heavy contract, you're going to take lots of extra risks to try to get more sales or to actually deliver on the productivity, which puts my company at risk. 
And so the incentive plans are nice because they try to align the incentives with what you want, but can create adverse selection problems in terms of attracting the wrong types of workers and moral hazard problems in terms of incentivizing the behavior you don't want. So you need to align your incentive plan to the risk tolerance of the firm and the industry norms. The incentive payments should be based on several things, things like the agent's risk aversion, the agent's effort aversion, the impact of the agent's effort on profitability, and the noisiness of the performance metric. All of these sort of get to the idea of, do we actually incentivize the agent to do what we want? If the agent is risk averse, that's going to need a much higher incentive payment to get them to overcome their risk aversion. If they're effort averse, they're not going to want to exert a lot of effort. I'm going to have to give a much bigger incentive payment, and then I might not want to do that. If the agent's effort doesn't impact profitability, I don't want to reward them with an incentive payment. And if the performance metric is very noisy, it could be because of external factors that don't depend on the agent's actions. I also don't want to reward the, the agent for outcomes which are outside of their control. Finally, pay for performance has challenges that preclude its widespread use. So it seems like it's a good solution to aligning incentives within the organization, all the way from the CEO to the C-suite, from the C-suite to the division managers, the division managers who hire the general managers as their agents, the general managers who hire the frontline workers, etc. And some of these challenges are that output may be hard to measure. Think of situations like team output. Who on the team actually is responsible for the outcome that the team produced? And if you try to pay for performance the entire team, that also reduces the incentive of any one person to perform. And if I incentivize individuals on the team, then if the team does well, I look like I did well. And so therefore I get the bonus and don't do the work. The other reason why pay for performance is sometimes hard to put into place is that quality may suffer. If I incentivize you to produce a lot of output, if I incentivize you to go make lots of sales, you may sell to customers that aren't credit worthy and therefore don't pay their bills. You may produce output, which is not of high quality because the faster you produce, the more you produce, but the faster you produce, the more mistakes you make. So with all the principal agent problems and solutions, there are trade-offs. There is no perfect way to incentivize the agent to work the way the principal wants. And it's your job as the manager to think about what's the best way to structure the contract, given the company that I'm in and given the industry in which I operate, to try to best align the incentives of all the workers to match that of what the overall organization needs and wants. That's the end of our discussion of asymmetry and is actually the last episode in the series. So I thank you for listening to all the episodes and I hope you learned something and enjoyed them. 